Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast. Y'all, it's NaNoWriMo. I love it. I love it. All right. In this episode, we're going to be interviewing somebody different. This is going to be awesome. So we'll be talking to Richard Christopher Carvajal. Off the bat, you're going to notice something different about me. <laughs> it's because I've known Chris for a very long time. Um, he will definitely tell you how long we've known each other and puts a pin right inside my age, which is awesome. <laughs> but it's a great time. I haven't actually talked to my dear friend in a very long time um, and haven't seen him in even longer. So it's a pleasure. Now, what's special about Chris is that he's actually more into the RPG tabletop world. Um, he's a game master and um, he's designing stories. He's been designing stories for five, six years. You'll get more into the details in the episode. But what I loved about his process was how he dives into foundations of storytelling, such as world building and committing to characters. And a lot of what he tackles with his fellow players is something that I think is going to be very fruitful for your own stories, your own foundations, your own world building that you can take to push yourself forward. You might notice a couple of audio issues, which I tried my best to cut out. But in case you hear a little bit of a skip, um, some of the connection kind of dropped, but then we got right back into it. All right. Thank you all. Let's dive in. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. Hey there, writers. Let's take a beat to talk about a special announcement. So November is your month of transformation. Get a one-hour coaching session with me by choosing one of these three options, or all three. Option one, join our Patreon for $1, which will support the show. Option two, book a $1 coaching session on coach.me. Option three, leave an Apple podcast review. Send a screenshot to my email and get a coaching spot. You can do all three and get three hours of coaching with me. Find all the links in the show notes. Act fast. This offer is only valid for November to celebrate National Novel Writing Month. Thanks. Okay. All right. And welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. I'm your host, Maciel Valenzuela. Today, we're talking with Richard Christopher Carbajal. Hey, Chris. How are you doing today? Hello, friend. Hello, friend. Literally. Literally, friends. Chris, how long have we been friends? Since middle school. Yes. Since middle school. Sixth grade? Uh, Longer than Ricardo has been alive. And Ricardo is 20. He'll be 21 next month. Damn, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I ever uh, share my age on this podcast. So that was definitely, that was great. That was a really good way to put it. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you have a great memory. So I'm just going to trust everything you say. Uh, yeah. We've been friends for a very, 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 very long time. It's been awesome. It's been great. Actually, I haven't seen you literally looking at you right now. I haven't seen you in how many years? One. One? Exactly one today. No. Yeah. What did we see? What did this see? Ah, terrible. My memory's terrible. My romance. We saw everybody. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh <laughs> 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 okay. 
I mean, I don't remember much of that night. So oh, because you know, it was so freaking awesome. It was awesome. That's what I'm gonna say. That's what I'm gonna say. It was awesome. Not that I had like three beers or anything. <laughs> totally know, fun. It, that was the most expensive drink I ever bought. I got a a, a Manhattan at the bar, and oh. it was twenty three dollars. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and it was well. It was well. It wasn't even that great. It was just a well drink. You're like, oh, oh. no, seriously, the beers were $18. And I was like, I, I can't do this. But then I, kept, I went back like two more times. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was- um, we, we saw Paramore when they rescheduled in San Francisco. And we saw this, this Amazonian woman. She was like six foot. And she was really strong looking. And we just saw her descent as she just kept on pounding 40s of, of seltzer water. Oh, wow. And just towards the end when her, her friend who was like our size at five foot five had to carry her out. I was like, dude, that was wild. Just seeing that like descent. Oh, you're like, please don't fall. Let's just yeah. stay upright. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I wish I remember that night. We went to go see MCR a couple of days later actually but and then i was fully aware of everything i was like, okay cool all right let me introduce you to all <laughs> the listeners of the how to write a book podcast um the reason that we're talking to chris today is because chris has um, a very special and unique experience separate from straight up novels chris has been a game master and formerly um you were involved in game workshopping for five years and so like you have a lot of experience with collaborative story um as a general manager of black library now i know i got some of that wrong so can you please introduce yourself <laughs> yeah my name is chris uh professionally if there's anybody out there they know me as rich because of you know more drama that we found out in middle school of me realizing that my name, my given name wasn't my real name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just left Games Workshop, which is a company that produces miniatures and stories in both the fantasy and science fiction setting. Um, I was one of the head people of a location uh, for the retail branch. And I recently left to achieve my own dreams. Um, and now I'm helping people out and I'm still game mastering on the side in which I help people not only with RPGs, but with tabletop too, which are a little bit different. Um, but they both have, you know, that you're working with a group and you're telling an overall story. Mm-hmm. So for sure, I know that we had a little bit of a chat before this. Um, I am completely new to this world, this awesome storytelling world. So can you give us like maybe like some dictionary type of, Descriptions, like what's RPG, what's tabletop, you know, the yeah. things that you commonly talk about. Yeah. <clears throat> so tabletop is any gaming that you're playing on a table with friends. Um, specifically the ones that I like to do is is combat games. So in Warhammer, both the fantasy and the science fiction, you're a commander of an army and you go to war on a tabletop and we use dice and tape measures to represent skills and abilities on the battlefield. And then you know, at the end of it, you can tell a story. Oftentimes our objectives are story based. Which just gets more people into the into the sense of it, and really just lets you have your imagination run free. And then an RPG is a role playing game in which you take on the role of a character that is either provided by a friend or created by you. And you guys are telling a story together of an adventure or a quest. Mm-hmm. And so, what was your role specifically? Like your, uh, I was I was a, a hobby center manager. 
So I facilitated stories and campaigns along with selling product to, you know, customers, which we don't call them that. We call them hobbyists because uh, it's your hobby. It's your story. It's your, your paints, however you want to do it. It's all up to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so like you were telling me that, you know, you could go into like a Warhammer store and you can paint your miniatures. So the miniatures, they're like for your story. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we also got bigger ones. So like I've got my Cadre 331. So I have a bigger action figure I'm going to paint just like I would paint my small ones. Ooh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What is he supposed to be? What is he like? He looks like a skeleton uh, he warrior. Is a, he is a traitor guardsman. So he was a loyal Imperial citizen. However, he became disillusioned when he was abandoned on a spaceship. And he's fallen to chaos and he's mutated. Mutated? That's why you can, his face looks like a skeleton. Yeah. He's mutated and he's collected trophies. He's got ears hanging off. And then he's got... Uh, damaged armor because he's scavenged it from all his fallen brothers and then from any space explorers that go on to the crash spaceship oh did him dirty sounds like yeah. so yeah. this is exactly what we're here for this is yeah. like really the juicy part um you have this character right i want you to tell me about the storytelling that happens you know in this kind of collaborative setting the the depth of what you need to play inside these worlds so it, it can be as deep as you want it to be. For me, I, I'm, I'm more about getting as many people in it as possible. Um, so like, you know, I bought that figure from the idea I've had of my traitor legion, or excuse me, not my traitor legion, my traitor guardsmen that follow my traitor legion. Um, and, you know, it just happens that as you start playing, you start investing time and energy into these little dudes. And once you start investing time and energy, like, well, I want them to have a story, you know, Little little Jenkins has stood up to a freaking, I don't know, like an alien brute that can rip a person in half. But he stood and he survived and he lived. So he deserves a name and he deserves a promotion. So now he's Corporal Jenkins. You know, as Corporal Jenkins, he can now carry uh, a grenade launcher into battle than his little LAS rifle. And it just builds. And people really like that because then they want to get into it. And if you provide other people an option to get into the story as well, the world gets a little bit bigger. The galaxy gets a little bit bigger. And then... You know, not only do you get heroes, but you also get villains. And that's mm -hmm. really fun just to go off of one another and start building those animosity campaigns. Yeah. And so, like, how how does someone just begin? Because you're saying, like, you know, you can kind of just dive in and, like, start with the character. Like, how what would be, like, the first thing you did? Like, you walked into, like, a store, like, the one that you were part of. What's the first thing you did? <laughs> so, like, in Warhammer, uh, the first thing you do if you go to a Warhammer store is that they'll tell you hello. And they'll ask you, like, if you know anything about it. If you don't, you actually get your first miniature, and they teach you how to paint it. And while you're painting your miniature, they'll ask you questions about, like, oh, what is this character's name? What does he stand for? And then, before you know it, you're conscripted into a battle that's ongoing in the store already. And then you mm -hmm. fight that battle. And as they survive, your character can, you know, gain a name if he doesn't die. And mm -hmm. it really lets you start your army. So, like, me, when I started in high school when i was like 16 or 17 um i painted a blood angel which is a red space marine and i didn't really like that and then i found out that those space marine chapters have successor chapters which are offshoots of them and i chose one called the flesh terrors which are more of a burgundy and a dark red and then um i just went from there so another example of storytelling is that their chapter master is gabriel Seth. Uh, Seth, Seth was the first son of uh, Cain, 
Cain was exiled, you know, to the land of Nod in the Bible. So every character I have, or sergeant in my army, is based off of one of the other sons of Cain. Mm. And you get to, like, you get to weave in that kind of story, right? Like, that's not necessarily, like, like, oh, you have to. Mm -hmm. It's completely up to me and people that are savvy or, you know, they've, they've taken, you know, Bible studies or philosophical studies. They'll, like, wait a second. It's like, yeah, that's the fun part about this. And I can tell them about each character. Like, this guy has died three times. Uh, Alex, brother Alex, was, you know, a lieutenant on a battlefield, and he was slain in combat. However, because he was killed by a magic psychic ability, in my mind, his mind, his body was broken, but his mind was still strong, so they interred him in a dreadnought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And being interred in a dreadnought is that they took your brain juice, and they stick you in a power suit of armor, and... Uh, you continue to fight even past death. So even in death, he still serves. Oh, tight. Is that yeah. a curse or is that more, that's like something I you mean, want? You're in a 30 ton robot body, like a mech. And it's slowly killing you because the juice is just killing your body or what's left of it. So it, it's a blessing and a curse, depending how long you live. Mm-hmm. That's the fun part. It's so grim, dark and edgy. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. So you, you can kind of go as far as you want or as light as you want. Exactly. Are there like really light? Like, is it RPG? So is that the right term or is this a different term? Because So that's tabletops. RPGs are uh, when you're a character in an adventuring group or party or even on your own that you're forging a tale. So like in an RPG, the most classic common one right now is Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in Dungeons and Dragons, you create a character you roll for their skills and abilities, and then uh, you either murder your way to the top or you bumble into success. And that's the most common way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay, okay, so then the, those are, <coughs> I think my question is, there's RPG and there's tabletop, and then both uh-huh. fall under collaborative storytelling? Is that, mm-hmm. okay. Cool. I would love to know a little bit about like the background of collaborative storytelling. Is that who you mentioned the the other time that we were talking? You're like some like parties can be around for like 16 years. Yeah. So like so, how does like, that happen? So campaigns just it's a collection of people. Um, sometimes they last a couple of weeks, and there's some that have gone for years. Mm-hmm. Um, a great example of one that's gone on for like 30 plus years is the Dragonlance Chronicles. Mm. Um which is like a great storyline in which it's four people who've been playing Dungeons and Dragons since like 1988 together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they continue to publish stories. It's the same thing with uh, my passion, which is Warhammer, is that if you create an, a good enough story, you'll actually pick the, be picked up by the Black Library and they'll publish your stories and then your characters become canonically part of the greater story. Wow. Which is amazing. And, you know, the Black Library is one of the top producers of fantasy and um, and science fiction writing behind Tor. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Did you get to publish? You know, I haven't. Um, my planet got accepted. I, I wrote a campaign when I was about 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the Battle of Noctensena. And it was a planet that was put into the into Segmentum Pacificus. Unfortunately, with the current storyline, it was consumed... Uh, the Seatrix Maledictum. Yeah. Like consumed, like what do you mean by consumed? Like the, the planet was destroyed. Oh, shoot. That sucks. Yeah, but it progresses the story as a whole. 
It was yeah. one of the planets that were sacrificed. And who knows? It might come back later. It's just been consumed by darkness and like a giant black hole. So like you didn't feel bad about that? You were like, you're like, oh well, okay. Like that progresses the story. Yeah. Like uh it might come back, it might not. I don't care. I've got other stories I gotta tell. Oh, I love that. I love that. All right, cool. Okay. So like you you're building stories, you're building worlds. I mean, how many stories would you say you've you've I don't know, I, I'm you say produced, <laughs> created. Um how much content do you have? Well, for my personal armies, the 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 Chicon 13th, which is my penal legion, and then my flesh terrors. I've got about 32, 34 pages of background and story, and like I've got uh the feast of heroes of every character that's fallen in battle in like some kind of heroic climax. Um, and then like right now I've got them working together, being put together by a shadowy figure, and their strike force is known as the Sanguine Tears Soul Blade. That's intense. Sanguine yeah. tears. So like mm-hmm. bloody tears. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That's well, amazing. The, the flesh terrors, they're mm-hmm. either gonna have the word blood or angel or some kind of like angelic being. So sanguine tears, it, it makes me think of like uh have you ever seen what, what uh Saint Mary looks like as of today? No. Oh, it's so metal. So they supposedly have her skull in Rome, but they've entombed it in a vacuum safe uh like suit of armor. Are we talking mm-hmm. about like Mary, mother of Jesus? Uh Mary Magdalene. No way. Yeah. They supposedly have her skull. I'll send you a picture of it later. But okay. you know, that, that that's what inspired it was that I saw it. I was like, that is so metal. And, you know, people still pray to her for guidance and stuff. And it was like, that is so cool. So yeah. I interpreted it. And like on her carapace, I guess is what you could call it. She's got gemstones that look like tears. What? Dude, yeah. she was my like, so you know, like when you confirm Catholicism, you're like 17, yeah. 18. So she was my saint. That's the saint I chose. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that. Well, you can go meet her. I know, huh? Like in the flesh. <laughs> well, without the flesh, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Okay. That's that's awesome. Um, what do you say? Like, who are your favorite characters? You, you've created a lot of characters. So, what, what are your favorites? So, right now, I've got um, my newly anointed captain. He was a former lieutenant in the Flesh Terrors Blood uh, Flesh Terror Space Marine chapter, and he's in charge of the Space Marine contingent in the Soul Blade. And his name is Ezra Vell. Mm-hmm. And so Ezra Vell was one of the first ones I made. Uh, he was a neophyte from like 15 years ago. And then as I got better at painting, I promoted him to a sergeant of a school or just a battle brother, then to a sergeant and then into a veteran. And then from a veteran, he was lieutenant. As a lieutenant in the campaign I did last year, he just freaking destroyed everyone, giving him the new title of captain. Wow. And so he still hasn't fallen in battle, and I really hope he doesn't. Um, I can show you him right now. And so, like, the, the only reason he would fall in battle is because somebody else in your story, somebody that you know, would say, like, I've attacked him, I've killed him, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Little dude. Oh, that's cool. Oh, he looks yeah. like a super punk rocker. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, I have a bunch of them here that are going to go on campaign probably next week. What do you mean by on campaign? So they, I'm going to go fight some people, and I'm going to extend our story. Um, 
I their new codex just came out, which is the Army rule book. Oh wow! And so I gotta I gotta play with them. That's awesome. Figure out what's the next part of their chapter. Okay, so speaking of chapters, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was collaborative storytelling. You know, so can you can you dive more into what's that like? You know, yeah. So collaborative storytelling is is that uh, myself or someone else puts it out there like, hey, I want to put on a campaign. Who's down? And, you know, people will volunteer. People will have their armies join up, and then after that, we have a like a session zero, if you will, in which we discuss what are we going to be fighting for. Are we going to be fighting for land? Are we going to be fighting to like find a, a MacGuffin? Are we defending something? And that's where it all comes together. So uh, the last campaign we had was that there was a system besieged uh, a planet specifically called like uh, it was Modestan, the, the defense of Modestan, because you know I was working in Modesto. Um, and basically it was that, were you going to be the side of the defenders? Were you going to be invaders or were you going to be a tertiary group doing their own mission? You know, if they did their own mission, we had like, we had a list of things you were going to, that you could do. It wasn't because we're the edgiest edge lords and we're doing our own thing because we do our own thing. Yeah. Cause that, that defeats the purpose of collaborative storytelling. You're telling your own story. You're not telling our story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we did that. And then the next week, we had defenders, it was myself and like three other Imperial Guard armies, which are just basic humans. And then uh, one, one force of dwarves. And so we were all defending everything. And as we defend things, you know, like uh, I butted heads with the Dwarf Lord, um, Cody, because we both wanted some resource. And so we had a little mini skirmish about it. And then it turned into us uh, like, not really fighting but if we could influence other people to fight them mm -hmm. then it would add to the overall story because it wasn't me killing his guys it was other people that i maybe paid with a sandwich at lunchtime to get in the way yeah and it makes, so it's fun because you know when that happens you know i paid uh, an alien warlord with lunch to stop his fighting just so that i could score the goods Oh, yeah. How do you like, how are decisions made? You know, so everyone has their own agenda. How do you yeah. decide whose agenda gets, you know, more control? Um, that's where the, the, the storytelling goes. Or like if you have a campaign board, mm -hmm. um, you know, like us. Like here, I got one right here. I know people can't see it, but so like I got a little chalk globe. And so <laughs> we, got, we got little continents that people fight for oh that's cool so like, yeah and so the different colors are different people and then you know as we expand and as we fight and tell our story we're sculpting a planet and that's what's fun oh that's cool and just for everyone who's listening to the audio it's literally a globe of, of black like a blackboard and then you put chalk on it and you're drawing continents on it and then that's on those continents we start having like where the battles are and it really lets us like define our our territories and then you realize that as as we get more and more into it, you know, there's victories, there's losses, uh, people get chips on their shoulder, and that's what tells the story. Mm -hmm. So like yeah. somebody that was somebody that was working with me, it turns out that they're they they were traitors, and the whole thing was that they were just collecting the bones of everybody that died, and then they brought in a bloodthirster from all the collected skulls, 
I was like, well, that's not cool. And it was like, and you helped me the most, Rich. I was like, that's not cool. And then so it turned me into fighting against who my like best ally was. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, you don't see that stuff coming, but even though though you're the game master, you don't see it coming. No, I don't. Because like I said before, um, we're all telling a story and the story is like a giant river. Yeah. And then I'm just guiding it and people can go, you know, they can jump off the ship. They can go down below or they can fight another one, but we're still on this giant river. And my whole goal is to push people, you know, towards finishing a story that we can all be proud of. Why is that? Why is your goal that? What what amazing thing do you see at the end that makes it all worth it? Well, that everybody's having a good time and everybody then after that big fight, you know, after a weeks or months or, you know, one giant battle, everyone's got a story to tell and then it motivates them to continue telling their own stories. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just a little seed, but it grows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want everybody to have a good time and I want everybody to enjoy it. Because at the end of the day, we're just pushing little toy soldiers around a tabletop. Mm-hmm. And that's not really fun. Like, right. And the, the fun part is is the story that it tells. Yeah. So, I mean, how much backstory do you need to start, like, this camp or start a campaign? Uh, it can start with that, you know, that you have a couple figures. And so if you have a, a squad, you know, you have the sergeant, you have a captain or a lieutenant in charge. And then what is their mission? They're not just dropping on a planet to just fight for fighting's sake. They're fighting to, you know, grab a MacGuffin to secure a product, to, you know, get a VIP, defend a VIP, something. And that, that's what motivates people to keep on going. And then not only that, it motivates people to keep on pushing their own story. Mm-hmm. So, like, we have a governor, a militant governor, um, and we haven't figured out his name yet, but he does influence the game in that, you know, if somebody's down and it's not a fair fight, uh, they're going to get one or two squads of extra expendable go- troops mm-hmm. that don't necessarily help, but it's a fun add-on. It's mm-hmm. like, why is this governor helping, you know, person A versus person B? And why does all of a sudden is now he helping person B? Right. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I realized that, that we're, we're going into some more plot techniques and one of the things that um, you and I talked about before, before we started this episode, was that um, building a world is a lot like plot gardening. And just for mm-hmm. everyone here in the show, it's like you either plot your story or you discover you write your story, or also known as pantsing. But like what you do is like you build all the information. You kind of need to know purpose, you know, mm-hmm. what drives them, what makes them sad, you know, just kind of know three-dimensionally. And then you can build your story, which is more like plot gardening. So you're just getting <laughs> exactly. to know everything. That's so fascinating. At what point do you, do you like, are you like ever like, oh, I need to stop world building. <laughs> I need to get into the campaign. Does that ever happen? Uh, or just kind of... it, it does. And, you know, especially since I'll, I'll go down a rabbit hole and say, okay, if this happens and this happens, then we can have, you know, the tertiary system kick in or, you know, they've started an ancient arcane battery that we don't know what's powering, but it powers up and gives somebody a benefit while taking it away from somebody else. Um, but it has to get there. It doesn't necessarily always get there. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens then? Well, then I just, it gets booked and logged for later. And like, like I said, with, with how you're saying about plotting, you know, I've set up the groundwork mm-hmm. but because we're playing a game with dice rolling there's mm-hmm. chance you could have a dominant force 
be winning. But, you know, your opponent needs triple sixes, so he needs a six to hit, a six to wound, and a six to break your armor. Statistically, that's not going to happen, but it can. And it can totally change how the story goes. And I've seen it happen before where um, somebody was playing an alien force known as the Tyranids. And, you know, they're a hive mind, so they have very strong central characters that influence all the little griblies around them. And somebody took a, a priority shot and they needed to hit on sixes, they needed to wound on sixes, they needed to do break the armor on a six. And then after all of that, they needed to roll a three to get the three wounds off the model to kill the HQ. And it happened. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to be the big bad. Like he, this guy was willing to like be the antagonist for the entire campaign. But what do you do on, on mission one when they just get sniped? Right. Yeah. And it's it's really fun because then, you know, the the three Tyranid players, I said, all right, so what's gonna happen is that you guys are all gonna have side side combats. And then whoever gets the best, like most alive units, you become the new warlord, you become the new hive mind. Oh. And everybody gets so pumped for that. Yeah. And it's just it's fun because you're like, I didn't expect that, so now I gotta deal with this on the spot. And can you describe a little bit, like, I'm a little bit confused on, like, roll a six, get another six, get another six. So this is yeah, dice. So, mm-hmm. so uh, in games of Warhammer, most tabletop games, you roll um, six, either between a six-sided dice and a d20, which is a mm-hmm. 20-sided dice. And that represents your skills and abilities on the battlefield. A press game conscript is never going to be as good as a space marine who has trained for nearly 600 years in the art of war. So... Mm-hmm. To do so, you know, we use dice to represent different skill sets. Mm-hmm. You know, How do you we, define it? Uh, it's usually in self-contained rules. So, oh. like, let me see if I can open one up. One so hand. kind of going back to that research, like that that background, having some rules down. They did it one-handed. Nice. Yeah. So right there is all their stats. And you just roll off of their stats. And oh, wow. the big secret, the big secret is when it gets too complicated and it's taking away from the story, I just fudge it. I just say, all right, I just fudge it. I'll make something up. I'm like, all right, but they duck for cover. So that's going to give you a plus one to your armor save. So you're not rolling, you know, a six, you're rolling for a five or six, which gives them more of a chance. And it adds some, it adds more to the story. Like the person could say, but they heard the crunch of footsteps and they took a dive. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like it, it lets people really expand. And so this is going to bring me to my next question. At this point, you've had years of experience crafting a story to where it needs to be. What kind of things do you notice happens in compelling stories like this? I mean, you caught it. You're like, okay, now it's getting too much. Let's let's turn. What are the things you look for? Uh, personally, me, when I read books, because, you know, I try to read like 12 books a year, oh, nice. um, is that I look for stories that, that are more than just I fight to fight. I I, I'm good because I'm a good person. No, it, it's, it's, there's a twist in there. There's something that drags people in. You know, mm-hmm. my flesh terrors, um, for example, they are a noble chapter. People know of their deeds, how they've sacrificed themselves to, to save entire planets. But, but they have this flaw called the Black Rage in which uh, if they get too into combat, if they get too blinded by the fight, uh, they black out. And they destroy everything around them, even their allies. Dang. Yeah, so 
to me, that's really interesting in that they're trying to be noble. They're trying to be, you know, these knights that are taking a last stand. But if they go too much into their art of war, that they, they go blind and they might have killed a lot of allies, mm-hmm. like a planet's worth. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. on accident. But that, that, that gets told, you know, through whispers and shadows. And it carries with them. So when they come to a planet to, you know, help out or rescue, a lot of people are real hesitant to accept their help. That makes sense. I would be too. Yeah. In most stories, it's them not only fighting to save the planet, but to fight to save themselves and the redemption. And then most of these stories are told from the perspective of many characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of them, you know, they have, they, they have this, what's the right way to say it? not this avarice towards like them going to the black rage, but it's part of them. And they open, they, they're like very aware of it. Mm-hmm. And, and just that, that duality of the situation of like, I need to be a warrior to defend everyone, but I need to, you know, I need to not be so much a warrior that I black out. Yeah. So I think you're kind of saying that there needs to be three dimensions. You can't just be, this or that you know you have to have substance you have to have reasons to why you're choosing what you do yeah you can't be a good guy just to be good that's right. boring that's boring <laughs> that's literally the essence of writing it's like it just can't be boring come on yeah. make it interesting yeah yeah i love that and one of the things i think i've noticed in the way that you talk about <laughs> um warhammer and you talk about being a game master is that the people who also um play with you it seems like they're not feeling precious about their stories, you know, cause sometimes creatives can get like, really like, Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't even like fudge a single word cause it's too precious to me. But it seems like that's not really the atmosphere that you guys have. It's more, it's for fun. It's, it's supposed to liven you up, not stress you out. Yeah. You know, if, if we do all these things on our own time, you know, we got work, we got family, but if you're not doing this for fun, then what is it worth to you and what energy are you putting into it? Mm-hmm. Like there's canon, there's canon, there's there's not canon, all that stuff. But what does it matter? You're telling your story and your story can contain whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and, you know, and the best part about like collective storytelling is my story and my motivations for my characters are not going to be the same as someone else. Mm-hmm. So in one battle when I chose, you know, we had three hours to play a game. I wanted to play a game. I had three opponents. I was only going to have enough time to play with two of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, my buddy Alex, or not Alex, who was it? It was Adam. Adam then in his story said that he made the call to battle and I failed to answer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so when we fought each other, he brought it instead of his enemy force, he brought in his allied force and that he had the story of that because I failed the call to answer, his commander died. So, oh. so they had a ju- they had a chip on their shoulder, and they came back to fight me for the honor of the fallen commander. Oh wow! Yeah, and you know so when just... you're when you're telling oh, a story I... like that, you don't expect those things to happen. Yeah, yeah, a lot of pivot, going with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to. Um, yeah. I said it before and I can't remember how I phrased it when we, we had our practice call um, about it's not that I don't care about what happens in the story. I just like that the story is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and I really like perpetuating it for other people mm -hmm. and just putting the seed there and seeing where people take it. I can have the same battle with the same armies with the same story, but the outcome is going to be very different depending on who's playing and how they see it. Yeah. And how can we incorporate that into everyone's story and the overall story? Yeah. And you said, so, and, and that's what you said. You said that you wanted to make sure everyone had fun. And you also said that you wanted to make sure that there was um, challenges. Everyone had to kind of cross paths with somebody else, mm -hmm. something like that, right? And then I was like, oh, is that conflict? Like, it's conflict. But then you said it's challenge, I think. And that's really interesting because that hits really much on storytelling, having fun, which is like making sure the reader has fun. But then also you can't just have people have fun throughout the whole novel and dance and be happy. You have to have challenge. You have to, you know? Yeah. I mean, look at some of the first stories you read, like the hungry caterpillar. What was like, caterpillar is just happy to eat. But what is his problem is that he can never be satiated. Mm -hmm. And that leads to a bigger problem because then he starts eating things that, he shouldn't be eating and it just it snowballs right. and, you know as a, as a little kid who's understanding their their perspective of the world like wait that happens to me yeah oh wow <laughs> just, <laughs> i just rethought that children's book so differently now wow yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool yeah <coughs> i haven't seen that children's book in a long time yeah. all right chris so this has been awesome. This has been super great. What are you going to be working on next? You kind of said that you were moving on to another dream. Where are you going? Yeah. I'm doing a secret project I can't talk about yet. Mm -hmm. um, I had a feeling but, it was a secret. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's to do with world building um, cool. from my own perspective. Um, like I said, it's weird. Like as I've been playing this for 13, 14, 15 years, um, I do have a lot of stories and people think it's really cool. So like, if you go on my Instagram, I'll tell stories about, like, characters that I take their pictures of. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of along the lines of that. If you're writing a book, let me know. Just let me know, okay? You yeah. blink once. Just kidding. <laughs> you blinked. Okay. That's um, my secret. I never blink. Oh, dang it. So um, where can people find you if they're interested in what you're going to be producing next? They are fascinated by what you're talking about. What do you uh, recommend? You can see my Mutt's Minis and Misadventures on TikTok and Instagram under Scragfist. Mm -hmm. um, it's also my my fantasy character name of a half-orc I made when I was like 16, but it's stuck ever since. Cool. Um, but yeah, you can find me on most social medias under the name Scragfist. And that's uh, S-K-R-A-G-F-I-S-T. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. It has been a pleasure to talk with you and also have this very brand new perspective on storytelling. Um, was there anything else that we might not have covered that you would like to add before we wrap? Uh, that it is about progress and not perfection. I love that. That was perfect. Thank you. All right. I'm going to wrap this now. Thank you so much. No problem. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at Maciel Writes. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if you 
you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks.